Humility is the ability to see yourself as you are. To see yourself as you are, not who you could be, not who you hope to be, but see yourself as you are, how God sees you. Friends, you know me and my uh, obsession sometimes with health, and I have to tell you, I cannot stop telling people of the benefits that I have found of dried grapes. Raising awareness. It's just, just about raising awareness. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 112. So good to be back with you. If this is your first time listening, welcome. So glad to have you with us. Um, if you would, please make sure you rate and review this podcast after listening to this episode. And if you've been listening for a while and you haven't done that yet, please do so. It helps other people find this podcast, helps me get feedback about how you would like this changed or improved or what you'd like to hear about. And as always, the highest compliment you can pay this podcast is to share uh, us on social media at Mana Food for Thought, all spelled out on Instagram. Make sure you tag us, or you can tag us on Twitter at Mana F4T. You can find all of our podcast and blog content on manafoodforthought.com, our website. And if you click on the Patreon tab, you can become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month and get perks. So with all of that said, welcome back. Let us get into the joy, junk, and Jesus of the past week. My joy of this past week was uh, yesterday, Memorial Day, um, was is it obviously not a joyful day, very somber, solemn day to remember all of the things that we have and the people that sacrificed for them, but also an opportunity to really enjoy the things that we have um, and and to be thankful for that sacrifice. And so uh, my joy was that uh, we were able to have like a, a family barbecue with uh, Tony and Jenna and their families. Um, and so it was just really nice. We It's nice that our families have kind of assimilated into each other, you know, that we're all very comfortable with each other's kids and each other's parents and things like that. It's just, it, it was just really great. So that was wonderful. Um, and another joy is my son, Levi, turns two this week on Saturday. When you're hearing this podcast, when this uh, podcast comes out, he will be, it's his second birthday. So we're going to go to the aquarium. He loves animals um, and and do that. And then <clears throat> we still got to figure out how we're going to celebrate our kids' birthdays, like with friends and family. So might do another combo party this year like we did last year, but because my Han- my my Hannah, my daughter Hannah turns uh, four in July. So be praying for them, please, uh, and their continued health and growth and maturity, and that would be wonderful. Uh, junk is, oh my gosh, this, this shooting last week in, in Uvalde, Texas, just, oh, like, when I heard about it, like, I'm sure, as you did, my heart just completely dropped out of my body, like, especially, I mean, children, like, these things are horrific whenever they happen, but there's usually some kind of dispute or someone, you know, goes into a public area and it's, you know, like adults, you know, doing this to other adults, which is still heinous, but like there's just this, this, I don't know, extra level of like desolation and um, just, yeah, terror and, and her, like horrificness. I don't, I can't even, I don't have the words. Um, to do this at an elementary school. And so I just been praying so ardently for these these young children, their families, and the repose of the soul of the shooter who was obviously very troubled and his family and how you know people he knew were affected by this and just uh I just yeah. So that has been um weighing on me and really it really is making me think about a lot like trusting in God, letting go of my children, like trusting that God 
is going to care for them. And if something does happen to them, he has them in heaven. Like he, he can bring grace in even the most darkest of situations. And also like getting ready to uh, like figure out how I'm going to deal with letting my daughter go to school. You know, obviously I'm going to let her go to school, but like the actual process of letting her go, you know, Oh, that's going to be rough. Um, so anyways, um, that's some junk. My Jesus moment. Um, I've been praying a lot lately to just try and, I don't know, reinvigorate my relationship with God and make it not feel as routine or as, uh, as, um, intelligence oriented, like intellectually oriented. I, I love studying the word and I love studying theology and teaching about theology and doing formation and things like that. But that relational bit is always where I feel that ebb and flow. And it's like any other relationship. You know, you have really high moments of like passion and excitement and intimacy and times together. And then you have seasons where you can't get together as much. But, you know, I, you don't really have those excuses as much with the Lord who's eternally available and never has any other uh, thing on his schedule other than wanting to be present to you. So, um, yeah, I've just pr- I was praying earlier in the week and I was just like, Lord, you know, reveal to me what what you want me to do. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a doer. I like to, you might feel the same way. I like to have like a, a plan or a project or an idea of what to do or, you know, okay, how Lord are you changing? You know, what's going on in my life? What do you have in store next for me? I'm always kind of thinking about these things. And I just keep hearing from, from him, the phrase, just spend time with me, just spend time with me, just spend time with me. And just really being drawn to the chapel, to the church, to just sit with him out into nature going for walks, just sitting with him, being with him. Um, my day is so cluttered with tasks and um, to-do lists that there's not a lot of time to just be. And I think that's why I'm feeling the way I am in my relationship with God, because in the in the days where I have time to just rest and have an awareness of his presence, to go out and garden for a longer period of time and just talk to him and just be in the presence of nature or whatever it is where I'm not doing something that's like, oh, I have to get this done today. But I'm either just resting in his presence and being drawn into him and being in solitude with him, like that divine listening, or when I'm just have that flexibility to, you know, not feel so go, 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 you know, throughout my day. Um, That's when my relationship with him is most fruitful. So, um, yeah, I share that because maybe you're feeling uh, similarly lately, you know, and and maybe that can be a blessing to you. in this episode, I wanted to talk about this coming out on the weekend of Pentecost. And I don't necessarily want to talk about, you know, the Feast of Pentecost and all of that, because I talk about that in the Bible study a little bit and, uh, you know, an awareness of the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. But it was making me think about, oddly enough, so I got on this line of thought thinking about how people take compliments. And especially in the church, you know, like there's this idea that we're all supposed to like be of service and that we give glory to God and all that we do. And yet, like I get a lot of compliments, like in the way that I teach and the programs that I present and the ideas that I have and the way that I interact with other people, like I get a lot of compliments. And it's always kind of trying to navigate how do I respond to this, you know, and you want to you want to accept them humbly. But I think most people do is they just kind of write them off. You know, they say, oh, that's all God. That's all the Holy Spirit. Um, that was weird. I said, that's all God. Like I was from the East Coast or something, like from New Jersey. Anyways, um, shout out to Justine. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I just, I think we we don't really know how to do that in an effective way, especially those, those of us in the church. But I think there's a lot of people who struggle with taking compliments. 
And it's almost like it's, oh, it's it seems too egoistic or prideful to like accept those things. And so we're supposed to play them down or deny them. And then when we're fishing for a compliment, when we want that affirmation, we like, you know, we, we act differently. We act like we want attention or like we ask these kind of like, I wouldn't call them passive aggressive questions because they're not ag aggressive. So they're like, I don't know, passively invitational questions or statements. I don't know if that's a real phrase, but trying to prompt other people to give us what we need or to to um, communicate to us that, that affirmation that we're looking for. So anyways, I think I was reading something, I, I'm doing a, a yearly or a year-long daily devotional. I have three of them to three different people. One of them is to, to Henry Nouwen. And so he's probably one of my favorite theologians ever. And so it's little excerpts of his writings um, each day. And today he was talking about humility and that humility, um, he didn't say this, but this is a common phrase. He said, um, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less and um, thinking, you know, thinking of others. But I think that still doesn't really play into, you know, the, this idea I'm getting at. And so I read this from him today and I was like, yes, that's it. And he said something to the effect of humility is the ability to see yourself as you are. To see yourself as you are, not who you could be, not who you hope to be, but see yourself as you are, how God sees you. And not just seeing yourself as you are like, oh, here's my flaws, here's my, but no, seeing yourself as you are in the image and likeness of God with the gifts and talents that you've been given. I'm elaborating severely on what he said, but he said it very poignantly and very succinctly in a very powerful way. But out of that, I drew this kind of comparison, you know, or this, this realization that that's what real humility is, is recognizing who we are and who God is and who we are not because we're not God, you know, and we can't attribute any of the good in our life to anyone but God, but God invites us into partnership and companionship with him. And when we use the gifts that he's given us, he is glorified and we are made in his image and likeness. And so it's not proud or narcissistic or egotistical to share that like you're good at certain things like I have certain charisms of the Holy Spirit that make me very good with intellectual pursuits I have, I have a lot of knowledge it's very easy for me to learn and retain information I, I tend to be put in situations where God just gives me wisdom you know so like situations like spiritual direction leading others in a one-on-one -on -one situation pastoring mentoring coaching others and then teaching I have a lot of gifts for teaching um, and I have some gifts in music and writing and, and other gifts like that. But those are like primarily the ways that God has used me. And if I am lessening when people compliment me in those areas, if I'm downplaying those things, then I am inadvertently and un unconsciously downplaying the power of God at work in me. And so that maybe you've heard of a humble brag, you know, like, and people usually just say that when they just want to brag, but they, they want it to come off humbly. But like a real humble brag is to recognize like, these are my gifts and these gifts come from God. And I use, the, I want to use them for others and to glorify him. And so when people come and say, you know, that's really amazing. She'd be like, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I really feel like this gift comes from God and I really love using it. And so it's so great to hear that, you know, thank you. Or, you know, just or maybe not even feeling like this pressure to mention God every time. Yes, we want to glorify him, but we glorify him in just using the gifts for the service of others. You know, we don't always have to, in order to appear humble, like explicitly say, oh, praise God for that. Thank you so much. Praise God for, oh, it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. Like if you, if you honestly mean that and believe that in that moment, then say it. 
but it's okay to release yourself of the feeling that like, oh, I have to say that in order to appear humble. Like, no, like humility is seeing yourself as you are. And if you are gifted in this area, if you're good at something, then allow the Holy Spirit to use you in that way. And, you know, accept that affirmation from other people and try and direct them to the source of it in some way and say like, you know, yeah, I love doing this too. It brings me a lot of joy because I see it as a way that I can serve other people using the gifts God has given me. And God has given you gifts too. And, you know, he's calling you to do this as well. You know, and not everything has to be like a sermon. You know, I feel like I talk like that sometimes in the way I mimic or mock conversations, like everything's a sermon. But like, I think you get what I mean. Like, or I hope you do. Um, I have no idea if you do. I'm talking to a microphone. But I hope you get what I mean in the sense that it's not about lessening what we're doing and what we've, we're being complimented by. It's about amplifying it, but amplifying it in a focused way that makes God louder and not us louder. You know, and we don't have to get, you know, if we're properly oriented to seeing who we are in relationship with God, we, we won't even need to get out of the way. It will just go right through us. We'll be transparent in that sense. And so, I don't know, if you get compliments like, you know, I really experience God when when I hear you speak this way or sing this way or when you uh, create this way or when you use that gift, you know, or when you exercise hospitality or when you help other people, I really see God in you or I really experience the Holy Spirit when you do X or Y. If people have told you those things, told you that like, wow, you're really good at that. You have a gift for that. Those are things to really pay attention to and lean into. Because when you start to do that and recognize like your giftedness and how God is using you, you begin to see like the working of the Holy Spirit in your life over a longer span of time. And you begin to see this like powerful presence of God at work in your life. And that is what brought me to this. Like I was first thinking about that, uh, taking compliments, because I, I think I just got a lot of compliments in the past week, which I'm very grateful for. And, um, and I was thinking about that and how people are really bad at accepting compliments and how that can diminish the Holy Spirit. And it got me thinking about all the powerful ways the Holy Spirit has worked in my life and thinking about Pentecost, but also thinking about um, Pentecost Sunday this year, June 5th, is the anniversary of my best friend's death when I was in high school that really sparked this conversion and journey um, back to the Catholic faith. And it was something I never saw or foresaw or intended to happen as a result of his death. And obviously God could have done that a myriad of other ways and wouldn't have wanted him to die for that particular reason, but he was able to use his death to really lead me into a life that is now animated by the Holy Spirit, where God can use me to bring so many other people to him. And I just think that's such a powerful amplification of God's presence and his providence and how uh, beautiful it is to be used in that way and to recognize, just kind of looking back, uh, my best friend died in, in 2005 on June 5th, he drowned. Uh, in a tragic accident. And I, I was the one who was there who pulled him out of the water. We had another friend with us as well, but I pulled him out of the water. I tried to give him CPR. Like, it was a very traumatic and life-altering event. And the thing about my friend is that he was a really incredible young man. I mean, he was a perfect gentleman. Um, like he treated women with respect. He was really good in school. He was a star athlete. Like he was going places. I had physics with him and he was just like brilliant. And we were, we were best friends. We were in a band together. Like we, I've known him since we were like, I don't know, two or three, you know, we met at a birthday party and I think I stole his cupcake or he stole my cupcake or something like that. We heard the story told to us many times, but we didn't really start really leaning into that friendship or, or realize a lot of that until we, we really got close in high school. And so, 
um, you know, one of my best friends, not my best friend all through high school. And, um, yeah, it just, it really, I was not really someone who was uh, a faithful person. I, I went through, I got baptized late when I was 10, uh, received my first communion shortly thereafter. And I don't really know how this happened this way. Cause this is, I run RCIA now, and this is like totally not the format that is supposed to happen. But I was baptized after the age of reason and somehow was not fully initiated into the church at once. So, you know, um, baptized, I wasn't 10, I was eight or nine. Um, but maybe I was just vastly immature and they treated me like a baby, but I remember it <laughs> and, um, received my first communion in like private sessions of uh, formation with my sister. Um, and I, a couple years later, and then I was confirmed at the normal time in high school. When I was confirmed, I left the church. I didn't want anything to do with the church. I thought church was boring. No one ever really told me what we believed or why we went. We went because my dad sang in the choir and we sat right behind the choir. And when my dad didn't feel like singing or when we weren't in town, we were on vacation, we didn't go to church. So it was just like, oh, this is just to support my dad. And so that was my mentality. And so my parents told me like, okay, when you get confirmed, like, it's, it's up to you then to like exercise your faith. And if you don't want to go to mass anymore, you don't have to go to mass anymore. Like it's up to you. And so I was like, cool, this is my like get out of mass free card. So I went through all the formation, got confirmed. and was like, great, never have to go back again. And was very living like a very self-focused life. Like I wanted like, you know, the next girlfriend and the next, you know, um, you know, whatever's going to lead me to have more popularity or whatever accolades. I was very good in school and was very concerned with achievement, but I didn't like really push myself things just came very naturally easy to me uh, in school. And so I just kind of wasted the time I could have used to really apply myself, just like messing around and doing things I shouldn't have been do shouldn't have been doing. So I was a good kid academically, but I was like not looking for the right things and was getting into trouble, uh, especially in middle school, but definitely a, a little bit still in high school, or at least not getting in trouble. But now I was kind of pursuing things that were like not good for me morally but weren't like blatantly breaking rules of school or, or, you know, the law or things like that. Um, so when, when my best friend died, it was two weeks before graduation uh, from high school and I wasn't going to walk at graduation. I was like high school. It wasn't that, you know, difficult for me. Like I don't really see it as that big of, of an achievement. Um, that was just kind of my like pass off mentality because in reality we, uh, we never were able to coordinate like getting the money together to get the cap and gown when the people were going to be there. And I just never knew when they were going to be there, the rental people um, at the school. So I was just like, oh, whatever. I kind of blew it off and acted like I didn't really care about it. And I, I, I may have in some sense, but uh, I wanted to go be an actor. I was in theater all four years of high school. I wanted to go be an actor and get discovered in Hollywood and have this big glamorous lifestyle where people paid attention to me and I can continue living this very self-focused life. And when when AJ drowned, my best friend AJ, um, we were filming the final project for audiovisual class, and uh, we're swimming out to this island, not very far from shore, but he had been up all night the night before at a pole vaulting banquet, hadn't slept well, um, and just got pulled under by you know his muscles cramped up is what they said you know from hypothermia, and it was it was June. I mean the lake was cold, it wasn't freezing, but it was cold, um, and. Um, yeah, and we were filming, and, and anyways, I'm getting too diverted here. But that event just single-handedly changed my whole perspective in life. I, um, 
I remember that day in a blur and that that week or two after and just a total blur. Like I only remember pockets of time. I remember being at the hospital later and my friend and I driving there. I remember, you know, someone calling our or us calling our friends and his brother uh, telling them that an accident had happened. They needed to go to the hospital. And I remember not knowing if he was okay or not, even though it was very clear in retrospect, like he was gone. But like, you know, the, the, the right thing for a lot of these people to do is to encourage you like, okay, he's going to be fine. Like, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can for him, um, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. And so it was just a very confusing uh, day. And um, I remember his funeral. I remember all of us guys sitting in the, in the front pews of the church where I had grown up, uh, the Catholic church where his funeral was at and um, Amazing Grace playing on the bad bagpipes and all of us guys just starting to sing the lyrics together. Um, and I really, really started, I think from that point, when, once his funeral happened, <clears throat> getting mad because I was there in the presence of a place that was supposed to be the house of God. It was supposed to be this loving, merciful God that I had been told about. And yet this guy who was so great was taken from me, taken from this earth, too young, you know, Many response, responses to people in the shooting in Uvalde who, you know, are like, you know, your thoughts and prayers mean nothing, you know, because like, you know, what's that going to fix? You know, I kind of had that mentality like, you know, God, you were supposed to prevent this from happening. So like what, you know, what's going to fix it now? Like it's it's done. It's gone. And I was very angry. He's done. He's gone. It's, it's very angry. Um, and I remember yelling at God one night in prayer. I was home alone and... I just started screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, why why not me? Like, why not me? I had done all these messed up things in high school. I had nothing going for me. AJ had all this stuff going for him, was a great guy. And I was just like, I'm not, I don't deserve to still be here. You know, like, what the heck am I still doing here? And for the first time in my life, I heard God speak to me and he said, I'm not done with you yet, Matt. I'm not done with you yet. I share that story all the time when I speak, when I talk to young people especially, because I want them to understand, like, by virtue of the fact that they're still breathing, you listening to this podcast, by virtue of the fact that you are still breathing, that means that God is willing you to in, into existence in this moment. He is existence. I am who am is what he revealed his name was in Exodus chapter 3. I am the, the act of to be itself, as Bishop Barron often says. The act of existence. So everything that exists is being willed into existence at every single moment by God. So if God forgot about you for a millisecond, you would cease to exist. That means he's willing you into existence right now for a particular purpose. And he's given you gifts, God-given charisms of the Holy Spirit to help bring about his plan for reconciliation of the entire world through the sacrifice of Jesus, who has forgiven our sins and conquered death. We get to participate in that when we recognize that Pentecost is our, like, by virtue of being confirmed, we've had our own personal Pentecost. And, and the Feast of Pentecost is a reminder of the Holy Spirit that dwells in and among us, that flows through our church and through the teachings, that, that reveals truth, and that helps us to know and discern what God has called us to. And so, when people call those things out in you and in me, we can respond in a gracious way and recognize like, I'm going to pay attention to this because maybe God is speaking to me through this person. I'm going to thank this person for this affirmation because, you know, this is something that is God given, whether you realize it or not. 
and not being proud, not being narcissistic, not feeling like you're entitled to anyone's attention or, you know, any type of achievement or recognition because of the gifts that you have. Recognizing there's probably always someone out there who's better than you at any given thing. But the unique combination of gifts that you have, the unique combination of things that you're good at, make you the best you that you could possibly be. No one else can surpass you when you lean into your own unique gifts and using them in the unique place where God has placed you. And so I, I share with you that kind of testimony of, of just how God worked in my life and how you know, he spoke to me in that moment and it spurred me on this religious journey. I started taking anthropology of religion, comparative theology, all these religion classes when I finally ended up getting around to going to community college about a semester later because I really you know, was thrown for a loop by this and gave up my pursuits of acting to actually like make, make a life for myself and leave behind a legacy that would do AJ's name proud that would make him proud and would um, use my time as, as well and as faithfully and as uh, constructively as I could because he didn't have any more here on earth. It really compelled me to think about that. Uh, and, you know, thinking about Memorial Day this past week, all those who, who their time on earth is done. And we have the gift of time to be used in ways that are creative and fruitful or destructive and divisive, ways that unify people and bring people together and build them up and inspire them, or ways that bring people down or concern only our own selfish pursuits. And it doesn't mean that you become you know, a doormat and get walked all over and only do what other people want, but it's a recognition that our, we have been purchased at a price, as it says in Scripture, that we are not our own that the, Jesus died for us so that we could have life. And we only have one opportunity on this earth. That this life determines the next. And the only purpose of this life is to receive the next life and to lean into it, to live into it now, and to help as many other people know that and get there as possible. And we can do that by using our unique gifts. And so... This, this Pentecost Sunday, I'm going to be thinking about AJ because it's the day of his death. I'm going to be thinking about all of the ways that the Holy Spirit has worked in my life and guided me to where I am now, has called out in me through the words of others and through my own study and assessment, you know, what gifts and talents and charisms I have, and really caused me to consider and reflect on how am I using these for the glory of God? How am I using these to bring other people to a deeper knowledge of him, deeper relationship with him? At the end, I once heard someone say, at the end of your life, when you get into heaven, you're going to be in the middle of a stadium. And in the seats of the people of the stadium are going to be the souls of the people that you in some way, shape, or form helped lead to heaven. How many people are going to be in your stadium? Is your stadium going to be full or empty? Do you find it difficult or you find yourself timid or meek at the opportunity to share the gospel, to share your gifts because you don't want to be embarrassed or you're too concerned about what people are going to think of you? That is a lack of humility, that protective fear that like, oh, I don't want to be seen as, as, as anything imperfect. Well, that's just building ourselves up to this idea that we're like God, that we're perfect and we never make mistakes. No, to be humble is to use those gifts boldly and beautifully for the glory of his name, to use them to bring about good in this world, to inspire other people so that they will be inspired to think about their life and the gift of time, the gifts that they have. And use them for good. So who will be in your stadium? Will it be full or will it be empty? Do not hide or shy away from the bold invitation of Pentecost. 
and being able to lean into the gifts that you've been given. Maybe you don't know what your gifts and your charisms are. Ask the people around you. Ask your family. Like, what do you think is a unique gift I have? What do you think I'm inherently good at? Is there anything that I've ever done that's inspired you? Or, or is there any way that you see like passion awaken in me when I do certain things or when I'm in certain situations? Um, and you can very well probably assess that for yourself. The only difficulty is whenever we take an assessment or we you know do these things, we often think about who's the person I would like to be versus the person that I am. And we cannot create this false idol of our false selves because we do a disservice to God. We tell God in, in, in some sense, unconsciously, God, you messed up because you made me this way, but I would prefer to be this way. And in reality, God has made us exactly as he intended with the exact combination of gifts and talents and charisms that we were meant to have. And he's placed us in the exact right moment, the exact right time in salvation history, the exact right geographic location, and the exact right relationships and family that we have to serve, to bring about his plan for salvation, to build the kingdom of God, to inspire others to know him and to be in deep, vibrant, bold, beautiful relationship with him. And so what are your gifts? Don't be afraid to humble brag about them when people affirm you, but also let this Pentecost Sunday be an opportunity to reflect back on how the Holy Spirit has led you. Where where have you picked up gifts along the way, and how is God using those now? You know, when I became a minister, I had no idea that God was going to take my gifts of music, my former job as a chef, you know, my former jobs and or roles and or hobbies and video editing and, and, and music and all these different things to come together to have the very unique combination of skills that are now required for everything that I do in ministry. And without any one of them, I would not be as effective as a minister, and I would not have been able to do some of the events, activities, programs that I've been able to do in the past. Because God knew what he was doing, and he continues to know what he's doing. And if I continue to have an openness to him and his Holy Spirit, saying yes to the good things that he places in front of me that are fruitful and give him glory, and saying no to the things that are self-seeking or that might lead me away from him, then I will continue to live this life in the Spirit and use these gifts well. Knowing my gifts, being able to take those affirmations I receive, point them to the Lord and recognize, wow, God is working in my life. He's inspiring people through using me as his instrument. And he's continuing to use me because I'm still here on this earth. He has not taken me home yet. And so there's still more to do. So if you're listening to this, that means there's still more that God has in store for you. There's still more left for you to do. What is that? What is that? I pray that this Pentecost Sunday... And, and season this, I mean, we don't have a Pentecost season, but, you know, every season I think should be a season of the Holy Spirit in our church. Uh, but this life of the Holy Spirit that you're being called to lead, how is God calling you to lean deeper into that? That's all I have for you in this episode. Uh, so please pray for me and know that I'm praying for you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.